Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. And Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the guest room. This is the word of the Lord. When I moved into my very first apartment, I was given a table. It was my grandmother's table. My grandmother's table is a small round table that comfortably sits four people. And it came with an additional leaf when she got it, but that doesn't mean that this table stretched far enough for her. Over time, she had extra leaves made so that this four-person table would go on to seat six, eight, or ten people at it. My grandma loved to host. And my mom says that in growing up, they never knew who else was coming to dinner on any given night. There were the three children, And then there were the revolving door of additional characters in their lives. Additional family, dear friends of the family, perhaps the minister's kids or the minister himself as they lived next door to the church and near the manse for several years. Or perhaps it was any number of other people who were in need of a meal that Dorothy and Bruce, my grandparents, had met. Over the years, this steady, small table has become a slightly rickety one, especially when all the leaves are in it. It's never level, even when on level ground. It sticks when you go to open it, and when you go to close it back together, you better not be in socks or you'll slip when you go to shove it back. But as my grandmother would say, so I've been told and have proven true in my own time with the table, You can always pull up another chair to a round table. As Jonathan and I looked for a house this year, we didn't have too many requirements. I knew I needed central air, but we also knew that we needed a dining room or at least a kitchen big enough for this table to go in. And while we purchased a small house, there's room enough to pull up another chair at this table for anyone who finds themselves over. It's a hospitality that I've learned through stories of my grandmother, whose hospitality undoubtedly came from her faith, and the stories of Jesus' ministry where he continues to make room for anyone and everyone. It's a hospitality that seemingly knows no bounds, leading my grandma to have had the inability to put a limit on the number of people invited to the table, and perhaps to create my inability to do the same. It's a small act of hospitality to pull up another chair to the table. But when we turn to the story of Jesus' birth, 
It's the small acts of love and of hospitality and of faithfulness that we learn can reshape the world around us. Over the last few years, the new revised standard version of the Bible, the one that you find in the pews in front of you, it's gone through some updating. It was published in 1989, but as more ancient texts and manuscripts were discovered and new insights were made, a new version was created and published. And I bring all this up because there's one change that while it's circled in academia for years, it has not made its way to the church until now, and now it has caused a little bit of concern. It's the last word right here in Luke 2, 7. And she gave birth to a firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place in the guest room. No place in the guest room. Wasn't it that there was no room at the inn? A guest room like in someone's house was already full? It's taken people aback, especially those who ever played the role of innkeeper or a door holder in a Christmas pageant. You mean maybe those things didn't happen? Honestly, it's caused me some concern, and I mainly just played a sheep or an angel in pageants when I grew up. Guess what I like in the nativity? I'm a classic one. Classic one, is it? Classic one. Yeah. Um, Joseph. Yeah. Um, one of the three boys' names. Yeah. But it's a classic one. Yeah. Okay. Um, you tell me names. I'm still holding on the three out of the doors. That's amazing. How many doors have you? The door holder, the innkeeper, it's a classic pageant role. And I'm not going to tell anyone that it's not what happened. But a guest room can help change the notion of the story and lead our imagination elsewhere. But I'll admit, it feels a little crushing to the illusion of nearly every Christmas pageant. After all, pageants pull us into the Christmas story and allow us to find ourselves within the story of Christ's birth as we perform the story so that we can then live the story. This minute detail changes the mental image that we've carried around for so long. And this new translation instead invites us to picture Mary and Joseph being welcomed into a family's home. Well, there was no room in the guest room, the main area for sleeping. There was room in the living room where stalls for animals were kept so that valuable animals had a safe place to go at night. This was not a private room with a door that could close, but rather Mary and Joseph found themselves in the middle of it all, surrounded by cows and doves and sheep and donkey and a family who made space with the little space they had and offered it to them. Instead of multiple doors opening and closing on Mary and Joseph, although perhaps there were multiple doors, there also came a point when someone said, we do not have much we can offer you, 
but we can give you this space right here. Eventually, someone cleared enough space in their heart and their home to recognize that while this was not the perfect solution, not their preferred way of hosting someone, they could still offer this small act of hospitality. And so they do. They host anyways. They welcome the stranger in anyways. There was so much that was out of Mary and Joseph's control as Mary's time came to be. This whole pregnancy felt out of their control, and now the oppressive Roman forces forced them to travel to Bethlehem for this out-of-the-ordinary census. I can only imagine how much they felt like pawns in a larger story as the descendants of David were called back to the city, crowding it, unsure what they were doing there, but only knowing that they had to be there. And the people who lived in Bethlehem, well, it felt out of control too. Their little town was mobbed, overrun with people who needed a place to sleep and food to eat for however long they'd be required to stay. With houses bursting with unexpected guests in a moment that felt woefully out of someone's control, it would make sense to say no. When the fourth or the fifth or the sixth knock came upon the door, it would be time to say enough is enough, this house is full. But instead, even when perhaps feeling like pawns in someone else's power play, even with an oppressive regime telling them what they must do, even with a guest room already full, someone makes room. Someone makes room for Mary and Joseph and Jesus. They refuse to cast them out as they realize they had already been sent from home and instead invite them in. It's a small act, a small act of compassion, of love, and of hope. It's an act that only those who stayed within that house would know about, but to them it would mean so much. It strikes me that the word used for guest room has its root in a word that means to loosen, to untie, or to release the binds. Offering hospitality, offering love, is an act that requires us to loosen our control of a situation. We have to loosen our grip on things in order to open our home so that someone else might feel at home within it. This is true whether it's for a holiday party, making room for someone to give birth in your space, or in inviting someone over for dinner. This act of making room for another requires us to give up something of ourselves so that someone else might know that they belong. This notion of giving something up for someone else is rather fitting for Jesus' birth story. Someone made that decision to loosen the last bit of control they had in an out-of-control situation to offer a small act of faithfulness that only they could. And in doing so, ultimately made room for the one who makes room for us all. Someone decided to trade power and love, power and control for love, just as God did by coming as Jesus coming into the world to offer us salvation as a baby, 
not coming as a conqueror or a king, but as a helpless, small child tucked into a scene with others whose faith compelled them to loosen their own control on their lives in order to follow God faithfully. In the guise of this time of Roman peace, in these unsettled circumstances, the real Savior is born, the bringer of true peace, hope, joy, and love and placed in a manger. Jesus comes into the world to teach that it is not through power or riches that salvation comes, but rather through a child who teaches us that our small acts of faithfulness in response to God's love are more than enough. Jesus comes into the world to show us just how loved by God we are so that then we can love others. God joins us in the most unplanned places to be. Even in our struggles to believe we have done enough, prepared enough, or have enough, God enters the world anyways. When everything goes off the rails and falls to pieces and nothing seems as it ought to be, there God is too. Our role, as Hannah Anderson writes, is to trust the one who promises to make room for us so that as we inhabit this world, we can do so as Jesus does, making room for others in our own small ways until the day when we are all gathered together in his Father's house, safe and secure forevermore. Amen.